going to be about food insecurities. So, Jessa Toyin, I first want to start off with how are you doing? Because I feel like we haven't released an episode in a while. There's a good reason for that. But how how have you been doing? Um, I've been doing good. I've been all right. How are you? Um, I'm pretty good. We actually caught up a bit before this, but we're talking about our um COVID scares because you know we got a bit sick. We had a cold. Um, just toying. She couldn't smell. Apparently, she's trying to smell perfumes. Isn't that right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then yeah, but she's fine. We're all good. We don't have COVID, thankfully. Um, we're not gonna. We're gonna stay safe, hopefully. Um, and I'm doing better too. I'm I'm not as congested. Hopefully, my sinuses will completely clear up, and I won't sound congested. But yeah. So, would you like to start us off with food insecurities, please? Sure. So, let me talk about food insecurity or food security. What we really mean is this idea that people should have a secure, which means like constant and safe and affordable access to healthy and fresh food. So, when people are food insecure, that could mean a lot of things. That could mean that. Due to their income, they aren't able to afford constant access to healthy food, and their palate isn't as healthy as it should be simply because they cannot afford consistent access, like fruits and vegetables or stuff like that, or balanced diet. Um, it could also mean that perhaps they can afford it, but because of where they live. And because of the types of grocery stores or lack of grocery stores,、um, the types of just places places for eating in their neighborhood do not provide that sort of variety、um, or healthy variety. So as a result, their palate isn't as good as it should be because they don't have access to healthy food in that way. When we talk about food security, we talk about it in a systemic way. I feel like in the conversation of food security, there's a lot of like belief that like certain types of foods and certain types of healthy eating are associated with culture, cultural things, and that may be true to a certain extent. But for the most part, that sort of this sort of like cultural approach to food food security is really just a racist mindset, and it's really just an excuse to say that. Certain demographics have certain health issues because, in their culture, they don't eat healthy foods. When really, it's a systemic thing that causes food insecurity and lack to healthy lack of options.、Mm-hmm, exactly, and when we're talking about systemic, we're talking about like poverty, unemployment,、um, low income, lack of affordable housing too. Just because, like, if you can't afford to live in some place, because some places like. Dessa Twain said, "Offer better、um, supermarkets. They offer better access to foods. And if you can't, you know, be near there, you can't afford to get these items that might be like slightly higher priced in those areas. You can't get the same level of food as other people would get. And obviously, it's not like some foods are." You know, some cuisines are like naturally healthier、um, than others. It's really about the produce they have available to make food. So, like, if you live in a place that's like, heavily surrounded 
by fast food joints and supermarkets are really hard to get um, for you. You're probably going to get more um, self, self, shelf, self, shelf stable items. That's what I was trying to say. Um, so you could, you know, last longer without going to multiple trips to the supermarket, right? So that means you are going to kind of ration out the amounts of food that you would normally eat and maybe go for an easier or more attainable option for you, which might be a fast food joint because that's the thing that's near you. And obviously this um, this causes a discrepancy and it causes an uneven one, especially because it's a systemic issue. And this also has to do with healthcare and access to healthcare because that's like the last point of intervention at that point. Because if you don't give people the right access to food, the next point for like a healthier lifestyle is through healthcare. But again, healthcare is also a problem in this country because it's also systemic. So if they don't have access to healthcare, it's really dangerous for them. And we're not talking about like a standpoint from, oh, you got to be fit, healthy, going to be lean, right? It's more about, am I going to be able to actually have good health, be disease free, just because of where I live, or um, what socioeconomic class I'm from? Yeah, and like you said, because of all these issues, usually like, being compounded and layered, you do see disproportionate ways in the way that food security affects people because, like, you can say that, oh, two people live in a neighborhood where they're equally distanced from, say, the one um, grocery store in that neighborhood because, you know, like, say, like, you have two different individuals living on opposite ends of a peninsula and you have that grocery store in the middle just because they are equally distanced from said grocery store doesn't mean that they have the situ- the same situation when it comes to how the food security affects them because mm-hmm. if you're living on a peninsula that only has one ax- one place to buy groceries then you don't have that much of a choice when it comes to pricing one of these individuals might be able to afford whatever price is at this most likely franchise um, corporation like grocery store and the other family may not so where do they have to go they have to go to like they either have to travel and then that's where public transportation or car access comes in um, does this family have a car do they have access to good public transportation to be traveling if not then that's when they are forced to go to that grocery store and like Prisha said, ration out how much money they have and what will be cost effective in their life, considering all the other things that they have to pay for, like rent or mortgage or whatever it is. Or you can also think of, okay, these people might be able to attain the same palette, but one person might have health care, like Prisha said, and the other might not. So that also factors in as well. And when you don't have access to healthcare, you're more likely to succumb to all these conditions that even restrict your diet further. So for example, in neighborhoods with lower um, access to healthy food, you usually see um, higher rates of heart issues, uh, diabetes, and things like that. These are things that actually like restrict your diet even further and you already can't afford 
healthy food and now like you're being told that like yeah if you keep up this diet you might die Mm -hmm. and you can't you literally can't afford to not change your diet unless like you move maybe Mm -hmm. or you seek government assistance in order to be able to consistently buy healthy food but that's also one in a one in a thousand chance of you being able to like even get on ebt or anything like that because government assistance is just so almost like stingy and like Mm -hmm. you have to meet all these things to in order to get assistance yeah so lacking healthcare. You're lacking money to consistently buy healthy food. And as a result, you have diabetes and heart issues. And you can't even begin to address those issues because you don't have health care. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't afford to change your diet. So what do you do? You just do what you can and you rely on mm-hmm. not so healthy food options. Like, um, I don't want to say fast food, but like probably things like that where it's like, sort of like cheat cheat what people would refer to as uh cheat foods or like cheat groceries mm-hmm. where it's like you have to buy everything in a box you can't buy fresh ingredients because like if you're telling me it costs ten dollars to buy a bunch of carrots and a bunch of potatoes but it also costs ten dollars to buy 12 pre-made meals which one do you think i'm gonna get if i'm in that situation mm-hmm. I'm going to get 12 pre-made meals, not because I don't care about the fact that I have diabetes and I don't care about my health. It's because, like, this is all I can afford. And obviously, I can't survive on potatoes and carrots for a month. So that's what you have to do. And that situation is a prime and a very common example of food insecurity. Mm-hmm. And then I think, see, that's such such a... The thing that irks me most about that situation is how it's, like, viewed by other people and by how other people view healthcare. Because I feel like so many people blame, especially, like, people who can't afford food, on, like, their healthcare, like, on their health in general for saying that they're not making healthy enough choices because they might not be, quote-unquote, informed on these healthier choices. While that may be true to a certain extent, like you said, it's literally ingrained in the system for them not to be able to have access to food. It's it's built in a way that people are more succumb to developing diabetes. It's a constant cycle because once you get to a point where your health, where like the only thing that's keeping you from getting diabetes is healthcare and before that it's actually food you're just going to keep going back to the healthcare system to be your source of intervention right but obviously a lot of people don't see um the problems of healthcare from a food insecurity standpoint they see it as a point from oh people are people are developing heart issues solely because like you said it's based on culture instead of systemic and that's really annoying because it all it does is place blame on those who don't have to be blamed. And all it does is give people power on standardizing what healthy looks like, right? So, like, they can profit off of... I mean, that's what the healthcare industry does. That's what... Um, I, I don't even know what to call it. Because there's, like, a culture of taking 
certain foods and certain diets standardized as healthy so other people will follow that same standardized diet but also market it so people will try to achieve that diet or even that look the look aspect is a totally different thing but i'm talking mostly about the way people eat and the certain lifestyle but because people can't achieve that certain lifestyle or can't afford it they're blamed because they aren't following that diet or lifestyle um and another point um about i think you were talking about government assistance right and i was thinking about how food insecurity is a refined measure of disadvantage than poverty rate i'm not saying poverty rate isn't a good measure but i was also thinking about like what i said about healthcare and official statistics on poverty can be helpful to understand the trends in the number and the proportion of people who are disadvantaged but the measure doesn't reflect the full context of people experiencing poverty because um there are out of pocket costs for necessities like childcare um and i was saying oh uh, you were saying something about benefits um which is under government uh programs right so i think it was snap in school lunch program they were um doing a study to see how people would be affected if their programs weren't in place and it showed that if the programs were to be taken away from those who are currently using it those people still count as being disadvantaged because they will be at or underneath the poverty line but because they're being given um snap or school lunch program or even WIC right it kind of like keeps them from going under but once you know they hit that rate of quote-unquote comfortability the government doesn't have to they're not obligated to uh keep giving them a snap or WIC um benefits anymore which really takes away the whole point of food security because if they can't get food they can't even support themselves in other ways yeah it's definitely like this sort of punishing model where it's like oh yeah we want to help you but we don't want to help you enough to get out of this spot because then if you do we're not going to help you anymore mm-hmm. like it's so counterproductive and i really um like what you said about that sort of cultural thing too because i feel like there's like when one there's a culture around glamorizing certain diets like you said and certain bodies that come along with it or or are perceived to to come along with certain diets and there's also a culture around um people who don't um follow these diets and who eat a certain way mm-hmm. and there's also a culture around people who receive assistance so that they may be able to have a decent diet there's like sort of like a shaming that go that goes with to towards those type of people mm-hmm. who like require assistance and who are able to better their diets better their health through systems like that it's like it's it's sort of like a a a, a badge of shame mm-hmm. to be like oh yeah i use food stamps so i can you know eat salads and whatever and it's like why is that the case how come when we see a person with lower income who is able to eat healthier and who is able to um better their lives 
through government assistance, how come that is a different, how come there's a different reaction to that when you see someone who is wealthier, who is doing the exact same thing? Mm-hmm. How come there's like bitter feelings around the other end of the spectrum, if that makes sense? Mm-hmm. And I think it goes back to a couple episodes ago, we were talking about just like other things and how like when people of color do something versus when a white person does something, it's sort of like a different reaction that you get. Like, I don't know if like I mentioned like the sort of accent example when like someone doesn't speak English as their first language versus if they're like a white person, then it's like, oh, how how exotic, how sophisticated yeah. that like they have an accent. And then if it's a person of color, it's the opposite. It's the same thing with certain diets. Like, mm-hmm. In my opinion, when you see a white person who perhaps, I don't know, they're on Instagram and they're sharing a recipe, what would be deemed to them an, a quote-unquote ethnic, um, a quote-unquote mm-hmm. ethnic uh, recipe? That's what they always call it. Like, oh, today I'm cooking a, a little ethnic dish. Oh, God, not <laughs> ethnic. And then it's, like, trendy and, like, wow, so, so... Oh, yeah, what, they what can deem variety. it healthy. They can deem those recipes yeah. healthy. But when other people do, and the people actually know how to make it, actually put flavoring then it, then in their food, too. And it's yeah. oily. They're oh, like, oh, too much oil. It's like, that's a good you know, meal for the weekends. Like, bruh, no. Like, that's actually healthy. Stop like, uh, you eat this every day? But, yeah, and then they can, like, label it healthy when they feel like it, of course. So... <laughs> I think we've and talked like, about this, like how, um, well, this is more about like how, um, I don't eat meat. Right. And I was like accustomed to people thinking that I eat this very Western form of like n- not eating meat, which is just like salads and like, I don't know, tofu every single day. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess you could do that, but obviously like I still have like indian food like i'm just not gonna quit eating it it's still like vegan you know what i mean like people Mm -hmm. think that there's a certain way to eat it but then as soon as they say that they're like but like is that like the healthiest thing to do i'm like what is that supposed to mean do you think people Mm -hmm. in india just don't like what do you think they do i'm really confused as to how that works in their head yeah, and it's honestly, it's honestly like spec, like they what they do is they they spectacleize it mm-hmm. when white people do it, and that's what takes away from like no, it, not even takes away it. It sort of creates this aura of exclus exclusivity that they want to create. Mm-hmm. Like it, they want to be elite when they're seen with their with this diet, or they're they're perceived as elite when they have certain diets, mm-hmm. and. Like, in America, I would argue that veganism, like you said, is, like, something that's I would say, seen okay, as not something that only rich people can, can achieve because yeah. it's so expensive. And yeah. they do that on purpose. But uh-huh. if they knew that, like, veganism and vegan diets is something that is, like, literally not even uncommon worldwide, such as in places like India, where it's, like, so many vegan cuisines are available and, like, are commonplace... Um, because like that's like literally a, a part of parts of like their culture is there. Mm-hmm. I'd like if they knew that, then it would lose that sense of eliteness and ex- and exclusivity that white people sort of hold on to when it comes to 
making all of these diets Eurocentric because obviously they know that not everyone can afford to eat salads every day. Not everyone can afford to have vitamin supplements and dietary supplements because their their diets are so whitewashed um, mm-hmm. when they try and have these like vegan type uh, diets. So they're not able to continue in that lifestyle. They're not able to continue in that lifestyle because they cannot afford it or their palate cannot sustain it because they're not white and they're not rich like that. Mm -hmm. But if the main form of veganism was um, like your version of veganism, for example, it would be way too accessible for them to sort of hold on to that. Make it exclusive. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's... Okay, this is like everything that's owned by white spaces, but even like things like feminism on um tiktok for example just in media a lot of people get really threatened by it especially like men um just because it has a sense of exclusivity and even other women like women of color like i can feel excluded from feminism like mainstream feminism online but it's not because it's feminism as a whole it's like neo-feminism like people try to make it into this thing where it's only centered around white voices to a point where it's only focusing on how white women can be liberated instead of how women as a whole can be like liberated from the patriarchy um Mm-hmm. So that's what happens in other cases too. I don't want to bring uh, like food, for example. Like if you make certain diets exclusive and white centered, all you're doing is making it feel like you can't get to it, and if you can't get to it, you're not up to par, right? And it's not sustainable for anyone, like you said. Even feminism. I'm going back to this because. Just because it's centered around white people, just because it's dominated by that sphere doesn't mean the whole thing has to be like that. We like obviously it's very hard to reclaim those spaces, just just as it is to reclaim the way um diets are kind of viewed or how you eat is viewed. It's definitely possible. We all have to look at things like diets, feminism, whatever you see that is dominated white by white spaces as not to be elite, but a simple way that someone is living their life. But it doesn't have to be lived like that. You can have your own views. You can, you can see someone else's way of eating and still find it as a way of their eating. Their, it's their way of living. It's their lifestyle. You don't have to standardize it just because one group is doing it that way yeah i think the 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 feminism movement movement is like a great example of like how um like when whiteness takes over a certain space Mm -hmm. um it sort of contorts like what the actual goal is for example like in food the goal is for everyone to have access to healthy eating so that they can be healthy and that's it. Like there's, it's very, it's a very straightforward idea. But when I feel like when whiteness takes over the space, of course, we talked about this in our no nuance episode, how like 
white supremacy usually leads to systems of capitalism and consumerism. Mm -hmm. So when you pair those along with the healthy movements, it becomes about consumerism. Like it comes Mm -hmm. about, oh, the newest keto diet or um, um, teas or like whatever the Kardashians are promoting on their Instagram these days. Like just like um, all these like things in order to attain a certain body shape rather than simply being healthy and how healthy looks itself becomes associated with wetness. Like, Mm -hmm. um, take like Lizzo, for example, like someone like Lizzo, who's like vegan, Mm -hmm. her diet is constantly under scrutiny because it's like, how can, how is it possible that you are vegan yet? you look like this obviously you're faking it because Mm -hmm. they associate a certain body type with that diet and when you bring it back to feminism for example Mm -hmm. um what's something okay like with the body hair movement Mm -hmm. like for one for so many women of color Mm -hmm. body hair has always been something that they've had to accept as a part of themselves but when white women do it it's like revolutionary and (laughs) it's like it's like uh like a sign of like f the patriarch like no love like this like we've been doing this for years years Mm -hmm. like and when we were doing it you were questioning our femininity Mm -hmm. you know like there are so many um like people of color where it's like body hair is just a part of being a person of color Mm -hmm. and it's like you just re sort of reclaim that mm-hmm. as a part of the feminine movement and they, or, it's like they speak for the feminism movement even when yeah no one else is speaking about it no like other groups are representing it it's only white women exactly and and then what makes it worse is that in like in certain cases when they do things like that they're actually they actually end up turning around and like shaming other women for their choices like mm-hmm. mm, i can't really think of an example with the body hair but like say like with the with like the free the nipple movement mm-hmm. or like just in general like this whole idea of like sexual liberation and mm. um wearing less clothes somehow makes you automatically more feminine they will turn around and like they will attack say religious women mm-hmm. who choose to cover their entire bodies and be like oh yeah that's you're like oppressed Mm -hmm. and i feel like that like that entire sort of situation where you have like this white woman awake awakens and realizes oh i need to save the muslims from their oppression i feel like you can have that exact same like line of logic and apply it to food in the sense that you will have white women who will wake up and be like I need to save the the people of color from their disgusting diets and I need to give them I need to show them what it what it's really like to be healthy like no what you need to do and focus on is your messed up healthcare systems mm-hmm. and that's what's going to help us there's nothing wrong with our cultural foods there's nothing wrong with anything about us exactly it's the systems that you need to fight against the same way there's nothing wrong with a woman who who chooses to cover her entire body or chooses not to shave or chooses to shave what you need to focus on is 
the men, usually white men, who you are standing right beside, and put them in their place. Mm-hmm. Because when it comes to holding, like, when it comes to using their actual privilege and holding men accountable, mm-hmm. that's when they drop the ball. And it's like, what happened to all this fight? What happened mm-hmm. to all this fire? When you have the most power potential to, like, hold these men accountable and end the systems of oppression once and for all that are affecting all of us. Mm-hmm. But you only want to speak when you're getting your feelings hurt. And it's the same mm-hmm. thing with, like, these all these body-checking trends on TikTok where it's, like, when it's any other trend, like, any other body-checking trend, suddenly white women remember, like, oh, yeah, we got to dismantle the systems of <laughs> beauty standards and blah, blah, blah. But then two weeks later, when it's back to being a trend on blue eyes or, um, oh, how pale are you? Suddenly it's like, oh, yeah, let me, let me hop on this trend. What happened to ending all body checking trends? Mm-hmm. When it's praising your whiteness, suddenly you don't care about it anymore? Then, yeah, right? Oh, my God, you're right. I didn't even think about that. That's so true. I... And the thing is, it's crazy to see how things like this have parallels to things, especially like food security. Um, I just want to remind everyone, use whatever privilege you have, right? And the same things go for food, not food security, food security. Um, yeah, I would just like talk about a little bit about like the efforts that you can take on a um, on a smaller level to aid in this fight against food security insecurity um supporting your local food banks searching up your fo- local food banks or community fridges are a thing too um and whatever food you're throwing a- away oh that's another thing that we didn't really touch on maybe in another episode but like this idea of like food waste, food waste. Too. yeah we should but, do that yeah you can, like, donate your food waste. I wish we, we talked more about that, too. Um, like, next Americans episode. with a lot of food. Um, so next time you're about to throw something away, bring it to your community fridge or food bank. If it's not expired, by it. the way. If it's rotten, throw it out. <laughs> yeah. But also, like, if you know you're not going to eat something, um, rather than putting it in the fridge and be like, oh, yeah, I'll totally eat it. I'm waiting for it to get rotten. Just donate it right away um, rather than waiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure to check us out on Instagram at elephantparade underscore and listen to us on any podcast streaming platforms such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, yeah, and just remember to stay informed. Bye, guys. Bye.